Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. So I'm reading a, just a few verses from Paul's letter to the Galatians, um, chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Paul is writing and he says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Let's pray together. Grant that the words of my mouth, that the thoughts and meditations of, of all of our hearts together in these moments together truly would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So when I hear someone make a statement about being how, about how proud they are to be an American, or how proud they are of their children or their football team or whatever it is we're likely to take pride in. I I remember words I read a long time ago from Grammy Award-winning Christian artist Wayne Watson. He said, the older I get, the the less there is to be proud of and the more there is to be thankful for. He goes on to say, I'm more thankful for my family than I am proud of them because I realize most of what they are is really out of my hands. Most of what has happened to me in my career is not a result of me walking around the streets of Nashville with songs trying to get them cut or trying to get a good record deal. Most of it has to do with the blessing of God. So my thankfulness list is growing much longer while my proud list is getting much shorter. And I I think Watson is on target. Remember years years back, um, I was serving at uh, First Methodist Winter Park and I went on a mission trip to Mexico with a youth director and and the youth group, I was one of the adult chaperones. And I remember riding in a van across the border from Mexico into Southern California on the way home, and all the scenes that are on each side, and they're strikingly different on each side of the border. And when I walked through the immigration and customs section, it, it, it struck me that 
there was no sense of pride there for me. There was a sense of deep gratitude. It, it was the same when I returned from another mission trip several years later. It was a group of young adults, and our, our church had an ongoing mission in Kenya, and we, I traveled with that group there for another mission experience. And again, coming back through customs and immigration, I was happy to be home. There was no sense of pride at all involved. Rather, there was a, a deep sense of gratitude for the gift I have to be a citizen of this country. I mean, I was born here. It was a gift to me. I, I, I can't say being here is something I achieved, something I earned, something I did anything for, and therefore, it's not something I take pride in. I had nothing to do with it. It was a result of my birth. Jean is a gift to me in more ways than I can list and probably more than she even knows. Our children and grandchildren are gifts to me. I have dear friends who are gifts to me. This church has been a gift to me over the years. It's, it's, a, it's a place where in many ways I learned to be a leader while serving under the leadership of Jimmy Jones and Tom Kelsey and alongside Paul Juvenal and Charles Stopford and Bill Shortle and Ethna Bergstrom and Vicki Roark and Vance Rains and a host of amazing lay folks when I served as an associate pastor here back in the 1980s. Yes, I'm very old. I have a, a calling in life that's a gift as well. It's not something that I sought. It's not something that I went after. In fact, I resisted it for several years before finally accepting that calling because I was deeply afraid of it. I felt tremendously inadequate. In my growing sense of call, it seemed like the deeper and stronger it got, the more it hooked my insecurities. And, and you know what? The, the reality of those feelings to this day remain a part of who I am. Though they no longer overwhelm me or paralyze me as at times they used to, their presence within me does remind me that this ministry to which God called me is not about me. And they remind me to be grateful. I consider myself to be a very fortunate person, and I am very grateful. The Apostle Paul was very grateful. And it's out of that sense of gratitude that he wrote the letters that he wrote, including the letter to the Galatians, which has been called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. It's a very pointed and strongly worded letter that is largely about the freedom that Christ brings into the lives of those who embrace him. Now, biblical scholars tell us that Paul wrote Galatians because he saw that there was much evidence that the freedom that Christians were experiencing was in danger of eroding. He could see the imminent threat to the rights of followers of Christ that could be taken away. 
More specifically, there was a group of early Christians that was infiltrating the churches in the region of Galatia, in Asia Minor, who were known as Judaizers. They taught that before a person could be saved, or that is to grow into a transforming relationship with God through Christ, it was necessary to follow the law of Moses, along with having faith in Christ. So that meant very specifically on one issue, in addition to baptism as a sign and symbol of the new believers walk with Christ, the right R-I-T-E, of circumcision was also required. Just a little hint about the strongly patriarchal nature of the society in that day. This belief horrified Paul. I mean, for years he had tried desperately to live according to the law of Moses before his conversion on the road to Damascus, and contrary to bringing him freedom trying to live according to the law brought him a sense of bondage and fear. Paul could not bear the thought that new believers would have this oppressive yoke pressed upon them. So he wrote forcefully to the church in Galatia that salvation was by faith alone, not by works, not by following laws, not by the group of humans into which you were born, not by nationality, not by ceremony, not by the cutting of human flesh, but by faith in what Christ did for us on the cross. Period. It's what God did through Christ on the cross that truly sets us free. It sets us free from our insecurities and our self-doubts. It, it sets us free from our low self-esteem and sense of inadequacy. It sets us free from our failures and our fears. It sets us free from our preoccupation with what others think about us. And it sets us free from our pride related to who we are or what we do or what we have, which is really self-serving. And the freedom turns our pride into gratitude. Our acceptance of God's gift in Christ gives us the freedom to give. First, though, backing up a moment, it, it gives us the freedom to receive. <laughs> We receive God's gift of grace. And in fact, one might say a primary goal of the Christian life is to be freely receiving and freely giving human beings. As Eugene Peterson puts it in his book entitled Traveling Light, sometimes we are the friend who steps in to help. Sometimes we are the friend who is helped. In either case, our experience of freedom is deepened. We are no longer imprisoned by our strengths. We are no longer paralyzed by our needs. We acquire instead a sense of mutuality as we help and are helped. We plunge into a reciprocity of giving and receiving. Life in Christ sets us free for grace. 
Grace, very simply, is giving. We live in a world of grace. We live in a world of giving. God gives. We receive God's gift. Therefore, we give. Not because it's the law, but it's because it's an an act of gratitude in response to God's giving. Peterson goes on to make a, a couple of interesting observations. First, he says that the person who is not free through a relationship with Christ often reacts to the weakness of others by some sort of rejection of that person or condemning of that person, criticizing that person, making fun of that person, denouncing that person, acting as if someone else's weakness might be contagious or infectious, certainly not willing to extend grace to the person whose weakness, or we might substitute the word brokenness, is obvious. This reaction to someone else's brokenness might be to the person's face or behind their back. It might be directly hurtful or it might be indirectly so. Tell me, please, that I'm not the only one in the room here this morning who sometimes can be inwardly very judgmental of others. Peterson suggests that the person who does not experience freedom through a relationship with Christ often feels the need to defend him or herself from the strengths or giftedness or talents of others by rejecting them or maybe more likely by getting defensive and through that defensiveness putting the other person's strengths into a different lower level perspective as if when we recognize and affirm someone else's strengths that will diminish our own strengths take away our own dignity or diminish our own individuality It's a reaction that may take the form of jealousy and resentment and anger that other person's strengths are not our strengths. And they keep us from embracing and affirming the giftedness that God has placed both within the other person and within ourselves. I love what Peterson says next. I'm going to quote him exactly because I like how he says it. He says, compassionate, generous, spontaneous mutuality develops when we realize two things. One, there is no even distribution of burdens in this life. Two, there is no even distribution of strengths. The curses and the blessings of life are unevenly distributed. It's true, isn't it? Think about your life and think about the lives of people with whom you are in relationship or or maybe just people that you know a bit from afar or, or know of. Some have heavier loads to deal with than others. Burdens of illness, work, family, emotional trauma, economic disaster. Even in our most recent context with hurricane damage, 
It's a wide range of difference, isn't there? Some of these burdens of life are ones that we decide to take on willingly. Some are dumped on us. Some are part of our lives because of our own poor choices. Some come our way through illness or accident. There is no even distribution of burdens in life. And it's the same with strength. Some of us develop strong bodies and fragile emotions. For others, it's the other way around, strong emotions and fragile bodies. Some are nurtured in amazing ways in the families into which they were born. Others are stripped of their dignity by their birth families. Some get a head start on economic stability and the accumulation of wealth through the families into which they were born, and others start out below zero when it comes to economic stability and possibilities for the future. Some folks are exceptionally intelligent. Others have minds that are barely adequate to enable them to function. As with burdens, there is no equal distribution of strengths. Peterson asserts that once we understand that reality of life, then we can stop arrogantly separating ourselves from others whom we perceive to be weak, and we can quit withdrawing in self-pity when we find ourselves to be weak. When we come up against someone whose strengths may not only be different from ours, but perhaps to be seen as more numerous and more highly recognized and rewarded. The Christian, now it's, I'm all for church membership. I want to be clear, sometimes it, it goes beyond being a church member. I'm talking about the person who really and truly has embraced the grace that God extended to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, has incorporated into that into their lives and is seeking to be transformed by that day by day with intentionality. That person becomes free, truly free to share with others in life both weakness and strength, both burdens and abilities. The strong minister to the weak and the weak minister to the strong. The one who teaches is assumed to be the expert. The one who is self-sufficient and conveying the subject at hand. But the teacher is also in need. If we experience the freedom offered through Christ as we acquire good things in our lives, we don't, we don't see that as a way to become more and more self-sufficient. We don't build larger storehouses in which to preserve our riches with pride. Rather, with, with grateful hearts, we find outlets for sharing our blessings, for helping, for serving, for giving. Even in our inadequacies, even in our weakness, we are free to give. But as followers of Christ, we are never free not to give. Not giving keeps us from being free. Not giving 
puts us in a prison, not giving, reduces the scope of our living in terms of what life is intended to be. Not giving causes us to descend into what a psychologist might call the narcissistic obsession with self. Not giving really, truly, literally keeps us from living a life that reflects the gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Another more simple, much less clinical way to put it is this saying that's been around for a long time. A person all wrapped up in him or herself makes a very small package. (laughs) So there was an allusion to um, the stewardship emphasis that we're, I think, kicking off today and probably over the next month or so. Uh, and you know, you know about that. If you're, if you're here, you're in any church, it, it comes up every year. Some folks groan. Uh, some folks new coming in. Uh, see, I, that would have been me when I was a young adult and new to church and trying different churches. They talk too much about giving and I get real cynical and they just want my money and that's all. Others see it as, a, as an opportunity. Uh, as an opportunity just, just to give and, and not to be pressured, but, but to be responding out of, out of gratitude to what has come into our lives. From the Merriam-Webster online dictionary that I turn to, stewardship is defined as the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Now, from a theological perspective, it has to do with the careful and responsible management of all that God has entrusted to our care. Corporately, that's a whole ton of stuff, including our environment, which is a subject for another Sunday, Individually, it's our our time. It's the various ways in which God has uniquely gifted us that that are a part of who we are. Often we we call those spiritual gifts or we may call them talents. It's, It's God's call to us to share these things in the, the community here at First United Methodist Church and in the larger outside community. And that includes, but is not limited to, our financial resources. In a more basic sense, taking stewardship seriously pulls us, by definition, I believe, it pulls us away from a tendency to be filled with pride about who we are, and what we have, and how hard we've worked, and how much we deserve, and moves us into a sense of gratitude that brings with it deeply rooted habits of giving in response to God's gift of grace and love in our lives. That's what stewardship is from a theological perspective. 
That gift of grace, my friends, gives us the opportunity to experience gratitude even more deeply through exercising the freedom that we have to give. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.